Hi again, everybody. This is Welcome to the Ville, the official podcast of the Louisville Cardinals. I'm Nick Curran. We appreciate you checking out the podcast, however you have. Certainly uh, can get it on the UofL Athletics website at gocards.com. And additionally, you can get it in one of your favorite podcast platforms, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, available in all of those places. And we certainly appreciate you hitting that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And whether you're streaming or downloading the podcast, we appreciate you checking in. And if you could throw us a rating, that would be awesome as well. And our guest this week, the head coach of the UofL women's soccer team, Karen Ferguson Days. Karen, thanks a lot for doing this. How are you? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Nick, and all is well here in the soccer world. Well, that is that is good to hear. Um, I know everything kind of getting uh, getting ready to go with the the season looming here in a couple of weeks. What uh, what's the last month or so been like in a lot of kind of topsy turvy times and, and and plans, and no one really has been uh, sure over the last month or so exactly what everything's going to look like. What's it been like to, to try to, you know, pay attention to all that while also preparing for a season that you didn't exactly know what it would look like? Yeah, it's um, interesting, obviously. Um, distracting, um, interesting, challenging. Um, a lot of those types of words, I would say, are what we've been using here. Um, but with all of that being said, really teaching us how to focus and be present on what we can control. And I used to really talk to our kids about going day to day. And now we've even taken that a step backwards and we go hour to hour because there's been uh, multiple occasions when um, I did not have an answer for them. And then two hours later, an answer comes out through social media. So it's been <laughs> super challenging that they're hearing things through social media before usually their coaching staff can tell them. Um, so it keeps us all on our toes. It's, it's a really good lesson for them to stay present, stay focused on the controllables, and um, really continue to do what they can do every single day. How, and you kind of spoke to this, but, but how uh, different has it been from a normal summer and, and, you know, what, what would have normally taken place over the course of, uh, of a summer? How different has, has this whole process been? Yeah. And I'll even go back to March when sure. we left them for uh, what we thought was spring break. And we said, we'll see you guys when you get back from spring break. And in theory, hadn't seen them till preseason. So it was challenging at that point. But I just kept thinking, oh, we'll be together in a month. We'll be together in a month. And here we are, my gosh, the start of September tomorrow. And we just now finally back together. So I think in March and April and May, we did a really good job with the group through Zoom mm -hmm. and learning and studying and understanding who we are as a team and how we want to play. Um, so while we couldn't be out on the field, we almost took it to the classroom per se and studied how we play. And it actually turned out to be great because obviously we've probably been doing it all these years backwards where we go to the field without knowing what the heck we're doing. So it was kind of a, um, a little bit of a blessing in disguise. We really got the theory before we had to apply it. Um, so I think that that was very beneficial to be very, very honest. 
Now the freshmen who were coming in in July, although we don't have the ability to work with them, that was really challenging for them to not have us here in the office, to not have us. What we do with the first year kids is kind of a curriculum we call rookie mini camp. It's very similar to what football in the NFL does. And quite frankly, I stole it from the NFL. Um, where they would be meeting with our nutritionist, our compliance office, um, even Nick, Nick Evans they would meet with to learn how to be interviewed. So really how to be a Louisville women's soccer player at uh, this wonderful institution in the best conference in soccer. Um, really kind of creating their brand, learning how to be a student, um, really interacting with all of the resources that we have on campus in the summer months before things start to get hectic so they know where to go when they need to utilize those resources. So those kids didn't get that. Um, and I feel really terrible that they, their experience in July has been very, very different for our future our previous kids. And now they're in preseason with us and by no one's fault other than our own, we had a little bit of a setback with some Corona clusters and we, we were you know, shut down. And really only about five days ago did we start all training together. Um, so now here we are, and then the freshmen didn't get their rookie mini camp. The freshmen are training completely isolated away from their current teammates. Um, so it's been very, very challenging for that group of kids most, mostly, um, and ultimately very challenging for our team because we haven't necessarily been together for as much time as we normally would have been. Yeah, just so much. You touched on so much there, so much different. I, I think it's interesting how you've, you know, kind of tried to make the best of it with with a lot of the players and you know, kind of laying things out and, and then going out to, to execute it once the plan has been kind of laid out because that's, that's what you've been able to do. Um, you, you mentioned the best conference in soccer in, in the ACC and um, obviously things on the – kind of national landscape and in the ACC look a little different this year for everybody. Um, what, what's that mindset like kind of headed toward uh, a, a season where, you know, the ACC among other, some other conferences play, but, but the, the championship by the NCAA has been kind of postponed. It's, it's a very unique circumstance in, in that uh, the national level things have been pushed back, but, but still going to be able to, to get in um, some games, hopefully. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, um, while we would have loved to have been able to be competing for a national championship, um, I guess the two big concerns that I had this fall was starting something that we couldn't finish, right? And that's essentially what happened to our winter sports and then ultimately our spring sports, they were just canceled. Sure. And then the second thing was eligibility. So I didn't want any of our kids to get into a situation where their eligibility would be jeopardized because there's so much unknown. So I do feel like we're in an awesome position because we will get eight excellent ACC games and their eligibility will not be jeopardized. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like from a developmental standpoint, this is going to be an awesome fall and then we'll focus on and be concerned about the spring if we can get to the spring. Um, but developmentally, I think this is, uh, this is going to be tremendous for everyone. 
Yeah, uh, a relief for everybody to know that that eligibility not impacted. I know that was a, a big thing. Um, and, and obviously, on top of it all, coming off of a really good year last year and, and you know, uh, a lot of expectations and a, a lot back from that team, um, what was it like last season um, getting to host an NCAA tournament match at Lynn Stadium and, and getting a win in, in that atmosphere? That had to be a, a pretty amazing the first time getting to host one um, in the new digs. Yeah, that's right, in the new digs because we have previously hosted mm-hmm. before, but you're right. And I think obviously anytime um, we get home games here, there is a huge advantage. This is the nicest college soccer facility in the country thanks to Mark and Cindy Lynn, um, and there's no question that it is absolutely an, an advantage for us. So played a played a pesky little Lipscomb team in the first round of the tournament, and Sarah Hernandez scored an unbelievable goal off of a set piece to propel us to the next round, which then we went out to BYU and played an excellent BYU team. In all fairness, I think I'm a realist when it comes to the result, and they were the better team on the day. Um, And that's okay because I think that that keeps us humble and hungry and it keeps us focused on what we need to continue to do to continue our trajectory towards greatness and ultimately winning a national championship. So um, failure has a way to keep you growing and learning and humble and working on some things that maybe um, you didn't know were there. So uh, coming off of that year, first of all, that team was fantastic, both as soccer players and as a team. I truly, truly love them. Um, And I think that that showed in the way we played for each other um, and the results that we were able to get against some really high-level soccer teams. So while we do return quite a few of those kids, we also have lost five starters. Um, So it's kind of... um, it's a it's a positive and a negative, right? We do have Gabby Kizellis, Amina, lots of high-level players returning for us, Sarah Hernandez, but then we also have some very, very big holes and big shoes to fill. So it's a good opportunity for uh, maybe our sophomores and our juniors who have been, you know, a book we read is called Chop Wood, Carry Water, and who have been chopping wood and carrying water for the last few years for them to now be in the position that they hoped to be in. And it's also wonderful for our first year kids to have their eyes opened really, really big to the demands at this level. And if they can give us any semblance of some minutes initially, and then as they continue to work towards becoming maybe someday a starter, um, it's a wonderful opportunity for them as well because there are so many vacant open positions that, can, that they can compete for. Uh, you mentioned that and the time you've been able to, to kind of see um, how things are progressing. What have, what have you seen from, uh, from the team as, as you're getting ready for the year and, and uh, maybe some folks being able to step up and fill some of those spots? Yeah, so I think – because we were training in the small groups, we're not as far along as I would like us to be with regard to our big picture and how we look as a team. We've only played two inner squad games and they were really, really condensed, scaled down versions of inner squad. So for example, the first one was only three times 10 minutes. And then just over the weekend, we played two times 15 minutes. Now, this coming weekend, we'll play two times 30 minutes. So because of the setbacks we had with the virus, we have to be really careful with how we're progressing the group physically. Um, So seeing the group um, 
through that lens. I think there's a couple of kids, um, Emma Hiscock, maybe one, and Jess Campkin, maybe two in our first year group that have, have done pretty well. Um, as far as the returning players, I feel like with them, it's business as usual. Um, and they look really good. You know, Mina is as sharp as she can be. Mm-hmm. Gabby Kizellis is absolutely fantastic. Um, a younger kid who, who maybe didn't play as significantly last fall that we think is going to factor in is Cassie Amshoff. I think she's done very well in the, the short period of time that we've been together for this preseason right now as a whole group. Um, and she's a local kid that played at Sacred Heart. So I think she's going to have a very good career. She has the ability to be a very, very good soccer player. Um, and she's, she's done very well. So uh, just that's just my initial thoughts with not having a whole lot of time with the whole group right now. Um, but I feel like we're in a good spot. I feel like we'll continue to get better. Our older kids are always wonderful at teaching our younger kids, um, coaching them through our principles and showing them what we call the cardinal way um, as long and uh, alongside of us as coaches who try to get that out of them in practice and certainly through video as well. Yeah. And, uh, very interesting is uh, trying to kind of get a feel for things without uh, being able to, to do it as normal. And I, I think that's, that's really interesting. Um, getting into kind of you and, and in your career and, and how it has progressed. Um, did you, did you play other sports growing up or was it, was it always kind of soccer for you? Well, I, I did play basketball, um, but I can't tell you that I was very good at it. Um, but I do think diversification at a young age is super important. I think young kids need to play multiple sports and I'm a fan of it probably more so than some other people for a lot longer than other people think. Um, I think specializing in one sport at a very young age is difficult on your body and your brain and causes burnout. So to be honest with you, I think I played basketball just because it kind of gave you a little bit of a break from soccer. And a lot of my soccer teammates also also played, but I was never really good in basketball. Um, but I did enjoy it. And I think from a principal standpoint, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, I'll go and watch Coach Max practices or Coach Wall's practices, and I love their transition exercises, three-on-two, two-on-one. We do stuff like that. So there's a lot of correlation with a lot of the sports. And um, basketball was probably the only one that I was somewhat decent at to play uh, but it was all soccer for me, no question about it. Yeah, when, when did, and see if this makes sense. When did you know that you were you were good at soccer? That that you could you know go play in college and and have a really incredible career. And uh, when did you when did it maybe click that that you were good at it? Really interesting, Nick, because I think when I played, I played with such a competitive. Um, arrogance to to be very honest with you but then off the field I was super humble and did not like a lot of attention drawn to me so it's kind of weird right you would think that somebody that had such a cutthroat mentality when they were playing would also be pretty confident off the field and that wasn't the case so I think while I'm playing I would have told you I was good but as soon as I walked off the field I probably would have deferred to somebody else being better Um, and not really wanting any of the attention. 
even when I went through the recruiting process, I can honestly tell you I didn't think I was good enough to play at the level I played at. Um, so that was, you know, I never thought I was really that good, except when I was on the field during those 90 minutes. So I think that's, that's not a bad thing because what do they say? Uh, train like you're in second, but play like you're in first, right? Sure. So that was kind of, without me knowing that that was a thing, that's kind of the way I was. Um, then when I was at Connecticut, at the University of Connecticut playing, my dream and goal and aspiration was always to play for the national team. And at the time, the national team coach was also the head coach at the University of North Carolina. And that was my dream school, which I did not go to. Um, so I always thought I had, I had an ax to grind. I had a point to prove. And we fortunately played against the University of North Carolina. And in those games, as I was a collegiate student athlete, I think that's when Anson decided to bring me in with the full national team. And then from there, you know, I still didn't think I was good enough because I would go there and I would for sure be a reserve on that team. But playing with Mia Hamm and Christine Lilly, Michelle Akers, Brandy Chastain, that was pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, pretty amazing opportunity for me, pretty amazing experience. Um, but I think as I reflect back on my career, that's when I realized, hey, you aren't that bad. <laughs> but going through it, I don't think I ever really thought I was as good as maybe as I was. Yeah, that's 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 kind of interesting, right? Like you, you don't really realize it until you're past it. And then you're like, dang, I was pretty good. Now I have to convince my son that I was pretty good. <laughs> you know, now I'm begging people to believe me when I tell them that I was good. <laughs> That is, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, you mentioned all the experiences and the incredible career at UConn and then the playing with the national team. Uh, what, after the playing days ended, um, what made you want to get into coaching? Um, I missed the game. So my identity was playing soccer and my second semester, my senior year at UConn, I became a nobody. So at UConn for four years, I was somebody. I had started and played, and I was on a national team. I was an All-American. So my identity was Fergie, the soccer player. you know. And then when I graduated, or not graduated, but second semester senior year, you aren't training with your, your college team. You aren't playing anymore. It was really, really um, a very difficult transition for me. So I think that's when I realized how do I stay affiliated in the game? And while I continued to play to some degree at like a quasi professional level, because there was no NWSL back then, um, while I continued to still play like that, it still didn't give me the same feeling as I had playing. So I saw an opportunity at Boston University to help with their women's team there. It was an assistant job that was open and, and I had applied for it. I did not know the head coach at the time, Nancy Feldman, who now I know and love dearly and is one of my very valuable mentors um, and chose to go to Boston University as an assistant coach there, which was a unique experience too, because they were a first year brand new program division one. So seeing Nancy build that team from scratch into really what was, what is one of the better teams, a better mid-major team on the East Coast um, was awesome for me from an experience standpoint. And that's when I realized this is the way I can stay involved in the game. This is what I'm good at. This is how I can continue to 
help instill confidence in young people and, and help them reach their goals and aspirations while I'm also still around the game. And, and you, you obviously wound up getting back to UConn and being an assistant there as well. Um, and then the head coaching opportunity at Louisville, what, uh, what made you want to take that job and, and how much did uh, you mention the experience of being an assistant at Boston and, you know, literally building a program from the ground up? Um, how much did, did that experience make the Louisville job kind of appeal to you, given that there hadn't been a lot of success here uh, before your tenure? Okay, so the Louisville job was not appealing to me at all. <laughs> and I, I took the interview um, at the insistence of uh, somebody back at UConn who said, you should just take the interview and really learn how to interview. Um, at some point, you want to be a head coach, so go and interview and, and see what you think. So I agreed to it, and I really, really, truly did not ever in a million years think I would take the job. I was kind of coming to check it out. And I remember clear as day coming on the interview and, and seeing the university and most importantly, seeing the plans and the vision that Tom Jurich had for the women's soccer program. And I remember flying home thinking they better offer me this job. I want this job. So a, a change of heart completely in 48 hours, one where I flew here thinking what a great opportunity for me to see this school and learn how to interview to flying home and really desperately wanting the job because I saw so much potential at the university and certainly with the program. And I know they had been pretty bad previously, but I guess my thought process and rationale was there's only one place they can go. Uh, they can't be much worse than they already are. So it would be really good opportunity for me to learn who I am as a coach while I build this program and ultimately move on from Louisville. And, and here I am 21 years later. Yeah, uh, that is that is great stuff, and and really funny how everything works, and and uh, how you know it, it it ends up lining up. And you mentioned some twenty one years ago. Um, how much have you seen Louisville grow as a as a soccer town in that time? It seems pretty stark from when you got here to now. How much the sport has grown here in the city. Yeah, and I would even say our program and our university and soccer in the city, all of that has kind of um, together grown exponentially towards uh, one that's very respectable um, everywhere, nationally, regionally, and certainly within the state as well. So yeah, when I first got here, the club scene wasn't great. Um, and now we have the Louisville City Academy racing Louisville. So that's a major transformation development, developmentally for our youth and for to have a women's pro team be coming here in the, in the fall is unbelievable. Um, as far as the university, even that was, I would have called it back then more of a commuter school. Now it's, uh, it's a destination school, and I think what Dr. Bendapudi is doing with two years on campus, needing to stay on campus, it's adding to more of a campus vibrancy. There's more of a, a collective unified campus pride rather than just a sports pride. Um, and then certainly our program, we were in Conference USA, then in Big East, and then ultimately in the ACC. So while I took the job as a stepping stone job and ultimately wanted to coach in the Big East, um, I've been able to stay put in the same city 
and the job has moved towards the direction to challenge me as a professional and to challenge the program as a, as a program um, without me needing to move and, and go to a different job. So everything has been, um, to some degree, it's worked out very, very well. Uh, boy, it sure has. And it is, it's uh, interesting the way you put that, the, the job kind of progressed along the trajectory a lot of coaches would like to, to kind right. of progress. It's, it's a pretty unique situation for sure. Um, you mentioned racing Louisville FC coming obviously. And, and, uh, you know, there, there's loose city, what did, what do those things and, and having, um, you mentioned the Academy and, and having those, uh, those professional teams here, what, what does that do for your program? Yeah, well, so from a local standpoint, I think that the structure and the philosophy of the club, specifically Mario Sanchez, has done an unbelievable job hiring a tremendous cadre of coaches that are professional and that this isn't just um, something that they drive to after their day job and then wing a practice session from six to eight at night. They're paid. They're very professional coaches. There's a very clear vision. There's a very clear philosophy in which the players, they want them to develop and then play, um, which I think from a youth standpoint, that's fantastic. That's what all of these young kids who aspire to be college athletes and maybe even national team players need. Um, as far as racing Louisville, from our standpoint, I think it's it's twofold is one, it'll attract kids who want to play at the next level in the NWSL because of the proximity to where we are and where they are. Um, I would imagine that the coaching staff there will be at a lot of our games because we do play in the best league in the country. So their college draft choices will be in their backyard. So that would be really beneficial for them. And then I think second, in the summer, if our kids were to stay around, that they could potentially get into maybe the second team trainings and play in an environment that would continue to challenge them to be, to be prepared for college when we started back up again in the fall. So it's a, it's a huge benefit in recruiting. It's a huge benefit in growing the game. It's a huge benefit in developmentally being able to watch high level soccer right in our backyard. Up until recently, there's not a lot of women's soccer on TV. Um, so now with CBS going to pick up the NWSL games and the racing Louisville team being what three miles from campus. I think it's really a great way for our kids to become students of the game by watching more high level soccer games. Yeah. Great to see uh, the growth in general and, and certainly here and, and everything um, that that excitement brings to, to, uh, to the city and, and the program and, and everything. Uh, you've been great. So generous with your time. Uh, one, well, maybe one or two more before we get you out of here. And, and it's a, kind of the way we've, We've wrapped uh, pretty much all of these up throughout, um, you know, kind of during, obviously now things have gotten uh, significantly uh, busier with getting back on to, uh, you know, being able to get back out and practice and, and those sorts of things. But uh, during the, the height of, of, uh, of, of the time, I guess we were all kind of quarantined in our homes. Was there anything you did to, to kind of pass the time and, um, any sort of like uh, Netflix or TV shows or anything like that when, when everyone was kind of stuck inside and stuck, stuck at home more? Um, was there anything you did to, to sort of uh, pass those hours if there wasn't a lot to do? 
Yeah, this is, so two things. Um, my husband was a soccer coach in Cincinnati. So now he works for the Lou City Academy. Um, so he, my son and I were probably together more than we've ever been together for the 11 years that my son has been alive. So I think that that was awesome. Like our family has never spent that much time together. So while some people might've seen it as a negative because there wasn't a whole lot they could do for us and me and for my husband and for my son, it was a positive because we finally got to be a family. So I love that because I could hang out with my son. It wasn't that I was running off recruiting or running off to a Wednesday, Sunday weekend for a game. Um, so that was, that was super awesome. So we golfed, we bought bikes, we fished. I hate fishing, but my son loves it. So I would fish. Um, but then the second thing we did was we moved. So we really, um, in the middle of the pandemic, we moved from one very big house to another smaller, we downsized a little bit, another house. So what would normally have taken us a very long time to sort out, because we couldn't go anywhere, we really, we really rocked out getting everything squared away. And I love where we live now, we're a lot closer because my husband doesn't have to commute to Cincinnati anymore. Um, so it's been good from a family standpoint and certainly with regard to moving. Um, as far as TV, I'm not a big TV, but I guess probably the one Netflix that I really loved was All American. That was, I thought that was pretty cool. That's, uh, that's awesome. And I think uh, the, the additional family time has been a theme for a lot of folks. And that has been certainly one, one positive uh, throughout that whole experience was, uh, was getting some extra time with the family. Hey, Karen, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Good, good luck as, as things get going here and, and the season approaches and uh, hope everyone stays safe and healthy and, uh, and that it's a very successful 2020. Awesome. I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for your time as well. Another big thanks to U of L women's soccer head coach, Karen Ferguson days. Great uh, conversation there about the, challenges of getting ready for the season during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and about her career and uh, playing and getting into coaching. Really great stuff and another big thanks to her. We appreciate you checking out the podcast again available on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. If you hit that subscribe button, you'll never miss an episode. You can stream it or download it as well. And as always, these episodes available at gocards.com. And finally, we appreciate you if you could drop us a rating as well. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, a congratulations and well wishes to Sean Moth, the 21-season PA voice of Cardinal uh, football, men's and women's basketball, volleyball, so many other things. He's done, of course, the radio voice on baseball and um, wish Sean nothing but the best stepping down from that PA role and from his full-time role with the athletics department, but congratulations to him on just an incredible run. And certainly his voice will be missed throughout uh, the stands at those games, but, um, one heck of a run and, uh, our well wishes to Sean, nothing but the best and, um, whatever he endeavors to do will be great. And, uh, a, a great person, uh, and certainly will be missed in the athletic department. That'll wrap it up for this week. Again, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. We will catch you next time. I'm Nick Curran, and this is Welcome to the Ville, the official podcast of the Louisville Cardinals. Mm-hmm.